0: Welcome back yet again to the Between the Levees podcast. I'm joined finally by Captain Kyle Finning. He is a uh, heavy tow pilot in the Lower Miss. He's been a fair number of places, and uh, he also runs a little YouTube channel called Mark Twained. I've had just about enough of him telling his his followers that he's uh, supposedly going to do this interview. So, (laughs) at long last, Kyle Finning, thank you very much for joining me. Hey, Tim, what's up, man? I know you've seen a few of these before. Tim, where you came from?
1: Yep. All um, right. started off in uh, southwest Oklahoma. That's where I grew up, a little town called Hobart. Um, family started, it was a farm family there, a uh, German-Russian family that moved in before statehood. Family-owned uh, um, land there, and, and they just grew that farm um, through my great grandfather and then my grandfather and the, the original family land is still owned by my son now, but, um, or the homestead place anyway, um, grew up there working on farm. It was, uh, Southwest Oklahoma. It was, you know, pretty much farming and oil field. That was about all there was out there. Um, did pretty good for myself, you know, with the agriculture stuff and kind of thought that would be the way the route I would go, uh, as, Went through school, um, went to Oklahoma State for a little while, decided uh, that I was going to be declared a major as uh, chemical engineering, and that was just basically because um, it sounded good to my family, made everybody happy. It was something I enjoyed a little bit, and I knew a couple of guys that had graduated with that, actually petroleum engineering, and um, there was pretty good money to be made in that. I figured the chemical engineering would kind of... yeah give me opportunities but got a little bit burnt out on school um took a semester or two off and went to work on the family farm um found out at that point that the family farm was not going to operate with me and my cousin my dad and my uncle all wanting to be the chiefs so i was a little man on the totem pole on that deal and uh decided to go ahead and go back to school and get my degree um at Oklahoma State. Um, at this point, I've been married, and my wife and I had uh, our son. He was born in Stillwater my when I was there in Stillwater uh, for my time there. Anyway, I decided um, I, I was going to go back to school. And in the meantime, I'd enrolled. But it was going to be or I can't remember if I got enrolled. But long and short, it was in a mid-semester, and it was going to be a few weeks before I was able to start back school. Um, at that time, I'd been in, done some sales, I'd done some other stuff at home. Um, so I'd worked, you know, I'd worked all the way through school. I managed a photo lab, uh, through uh, at Stillwater. So, you know, I just I figured I'd go ahead and get my degree and and go that route and, and then find me a job and do something. And, um, anyway, I had this time to kill, and I have buddies. There's Quint Harris. He'd worked on, I was, uh, his younger brother's classmate. Quint was a little older than me. And, um, he'd started working on the river. It had to have been right around 85, 86, somewhere in there, long and short, same hometown, seeing him working out there. Uh, he drug a few other guys. I had probably about five or six buddies that had worked on the river at that time. Thought it was neat. Really didn't have any idea what it was all about, um, other than just they worked on the Mississippi River, Illinois rivers where they mainly worked.
0: Before we get too far into your career and how all that began, tell me what it was like growing up in Southwest Oklahoma on a farm.
1: Oh, it was flatlands of Oklahoma. Um, gee, Monique. we, uh, our family, we had a big wheat farm. It was mainly wheat, and I, it was it was well over three thousand acres of wheat. And then they raised cattle also. We had cattle, and then lay out ground. We had cotton and everything was primarily flat wheat ground is what it was um i grew up with that uh working the working the ground you know all everything farming entails and then uh as i got older and got into ag and stuff i started doing the showing my sheep and showing my cattle and showing pigs but also the crops we showed the crops and uh had multiple uh first in state at the state fair the oklahoma wheat commission put on a uh, had put on a uh, there was the, that was the big state wheat show where they actually made bread from you. You gave 15 pounds of your wheat and they tested it for everything. Uh, the, the, all the contents the nutrients, and then they turned into bread long and short. I won that contest a couple of times. The first time, the first one of the first or five or 10 people they would take, um, uh, first through fifth or first through 10th. I can't remember. It may have been four and HNF split, but, um, it was a trip to Galveston to go see where they loaded the weed on the ships and stuff. And I didn't get to go the first time I won the trip, but the second time when I wanted again, the next year, I was old enough to go and had the opportunity to go down there and see them loading weed on the ships and barges and all that stuff. And it was just, um, that definitely was something that stuck in my head and little did I realize that would come back around to that same sort of transportation, seeing the water. I remember seeing the ships and stuff in the barges and it was, it was real impressive, but yeah, that was, that was kind of the background and a little bit how it would tie into the river. And uh, as far as the familiarity I did, I do remember as I got a little bit older, I remember kind of looking up, well, how our wheat would get from the farm to market? And I knew, you know, everything was by rail coming out of, you know, the big stuff, it was hauled by truck, but the bigger, the bulk uh, stuff that they'd haul out of the elevators was by rail. So I started tracing that stuff back and there was some stuff that loaded out of Catoosa. Um, A lot of our stuff would rail down, but then it led me into well, Catoosa and where that would go. And then, so I kind of followed a little bit of the river stuff. And I thought it was neat that there was actually stuff that would come from our farms and, and areas, you know, usually further on East uh, of Oklahoma city that, you know, there were wheat farms out that way that their stuff would go all the way down the Mississippi river to be transported to the ships and stuff. So I remember that I do remember some of that stuff, but yeah, that was, uh, that was the early life. That would have been early life.
0: Anything else interesting to share about growing up, uh, out there, uh, I guess through high school and into college.
1: Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was one thing about it. It was, um, I, I do realize now after getting out and away from that area, the work ethic, man, it was just something else. Um, um, all my buddies that worked on the river, you know, we were all known for just being hard workers and, and I didn't think anything special of it till I, I you know, I've worked now and there's definitely something about the work ethic and the ethic of, you know, Western Oklahoma or just Oklahomans in general. Um, yeah. There's, you, you see different areas and I'm, I don't want to, you know, say that one state or the other, cause there's, you know, everybody's uh, you know, an individual, but overall, there was a lot of us, <laughs> especially guys working on the river. Um, my buddies actually, when I applied for the first time, going back to the the in-between, when um, uh, the waiting to go back to school when I started hearing about it, on these buddies that were going out there, Quint Harris led the way, but uh, I got the phone number to WKN to Johnny Wise was the dispatcher there. And uh, he sent me an application, but, there were. i didn't realize this till later on i was told this you know johnny told me later on that pretty much most all my buddies that worked over there at wkn told him not to hire me because uh i was this college boy that was just gonna you know ride a trip and then quit on them you know and they you know he wouldn't don't waste my time don't waste their time on me those are my buddies man those are my buddies but that was the that was how that started you know after the college deal I decided to put that on hold. I was just going to, it was not on hold. I had to wait on the semester. So here I am going to go work on the river. And I, I, there were quite a few, I mean, go through the list of names before me that went out there, there was probably about seven or eight uh, guys from my hometown, specifically from Ober, and um, that had gone out there. And at that time, Quint Harris was, uh, he was running, he was running captain. Uh, Captain Mark Hebensberger, who works at Ingram Barton Line now, who's Captain on the E. and in Ingram, he had just been turned loose not very long in the wheelhouse. And there was a couple other guys that were working deck and fixing to move on up. So, you know, I'd heard a lot about it and I ran with these guys and stuff, but still didn't understand really what I was getting into or, or what it was all about. Um, I heard all the you know, they would tell me all the pranks that, that would get pulled, so I kind of had my eye out for that that type of thing um but as far as having any expectations of what the job was about or what it entailed i had no idea at all i I really hadn't even seen pictures of it um so anyway i I got hired on and a lot of us oklahoma guys that worked out for wkn dispatch at the time um there were cheap flights from oklahoma city to st louis and they were crew changing two boats orlaney and the lowest Ann, and Sometimes a couple of the other boats they would have up that way, but those two boats specifically crew changed up on Illinois River. They didn't come off the Illinois River. A lot of times they were up close to Chicago. Flights into Chicago were pretty high, but you could get it was under a hundred bucks that they could fly us into St. Louis. They'd have the crew van from going from Paducah swing by and meet us and pick us up on the way, you know, uh, at St. Louis Airport, and then go on up. So it was kind of a regular thing for us. Oklahoma guys to to work that Illinois River, um, it was just it was the, the logistics of it for the crew changes and stuff like that. So, a lot of us ended up working together. You know, we all kind of were up on that Lois and Orleanian. Um, at that time, uh, there was a split with the uh, the National Marine Boats. At, I, I can't remember. They Quentin and them started out with B and H with Buckley. That's that was the connection. Let me go back. The connection. So how Quint started out working on the river was his dad was the, in the army with Buck Lay. I had to call and ask the other day. I called uh, Quint's brother and asked that the other day, but that was the connection. Buck Lay uh, went to the army with this guy that ended up in Hobart that yeah you know, started the Quint deal. You know, started him going out anyway. Um, and that was the other thing too, seeing Quint with these driving. He was always had a new boat, new pickup had a house the price of living in southwest oklahoma in high so he was making really good money and that was another thing that really caught my eye so i thought we'll, we'll go check it out well here i am hired on um first boat i was headed to was going to be the daniel webster and they were up on the illinois river that was all i knew somewhere around pearl illinois and that's where i ended up going
0: tell me about deckhand onboarding and that first trip up there <laughs> the first trip
1: up um uh, i flew into st louis i was going to go johnny wise told me i was going to go catch the daniel webster and um it wasn't about i was familiar with some of the boat names some of the guys that had from back home road but that one i wasn't didn't have any familiarity with it at all just knew i was going to fly into st louis and then they were going to have this um basically it was the limo service cab service that would run us out and meet the crew van and take us through it well there was some deal with the crew van i don't remember but they had this limo service run me to pearl illinois and i was in contact this is before cell phones uh were really prominent so it was going pay phone to pay phone and finding out directions this was before any you know map. i think MapQuest may have been a thing but it was just uh, road maps having to figure out where we were going and the guy from the airport didn't have any clue so I was calling the office dispatcher and finding out how to get there. Well, that wasn't I thought it was gonna be this one, you know, like a, a dock they were gonna show up at. What I had pictured in my head was what a lot of people do, you know. You're gonna catch a boat, they're gonna be at this one spot, I'm gonna go to this dock, that's where everything's done. I mean, I didn't have any idea that we caught this moving boat going up the Illinois River, which is what we did. And it was late. Uh it was a windy, cold afternoon, and um anyway, I'd walk down, you know, where the, it wasn't a nice boat ramp. It was this rocky, muddy ramp that I go down and I've got my cowboy boots on and I was all decked out and, uh, didn't really have any idea what the, I, I, like I said, I didn't know the conditions other than I had work clothes, but they were in my bag and sitting there waiting. And I see this massive boat, you know, uh, barges and boat coming by and then they launched the y'all and he came over to the, to the dock and or not the dock to the boat ramp, but little old scrawny short guy with a work vest on and a guy with him. And, um, I asked him, I said, Hey man, uh, you know, we this? I guess I'm your new hand or whatever. And he, first thing he asked me was, uh, how much time you got, how much experience you got, you know, working And um, at the time <laughs> counting today. And then he just started cussing me, started cussing me right off the bat. <laughs> um because well custom me and custom the dispatcher for sending a green guy because they were you know needing experience on that boat anyway so that was my first experience uh with any of the deck crew they wasn't happy to have me and you know i figured i thought everybody was gonna be happy to have me and they were not uh i didn't have any experience i was big good shape and all that but just didn't have any towboat experience so right then that was what they were um got on the daniel webster Made nice with the fellows, uh, went up to the wheelhouse and and met the captain. And um, yeah, that was an experience. Uh Captain John David Arnold, he was my first captain. And uh yeah, I love that man. Love that man. But at the time, at the time he was very imposing figure, huge man, big, big man. And uh I've told folks if you've ever heard Foghorn Leghorn talk on the cartoon foghorn leghorn the big chicken the way he talks that uh, a boy a boy that was the way he had that Tennessee draw to him but he was uh he was he was a genuine guy you know I could tell that and and after a few watches I pretty much proved myself as I was going to be a hard worker I packed a set of rigging from the boat out to the head so I showed I, I had the you know the strength to do and 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 I'd do whatever was asked of me I just wasn't you know, obviously they didn't know because they didn't. I didn't need to pack it from the, from that from the boat anyway. Um, but I worked hard. I was a hard worker, and I proved myself to John David Arnold enough within a, you know a few watches. I'd proved to him that I was gonna, you know, I was gonna be a hard worker and do whatever was asked of me. Um, I learned a lot from him. Uh, first, I think I, I think I'd, I've told folks before when it started when I when I really started thinking this might be something that you know, it was just a lot of, it was a lot of hard work, which I didn't mind, but also saw the captain driving, watching John David drive. I was like, man, that just it just looked like something that would be fun to do. I mean, it really did. I know it was work. And at the time I was not I didn't understand everything that went into learning something like that to me at the time, it looked like it would be easy and it looked like something I wanted to do, you know, and as the days went on, that's just really, it, it, I leaned into that and, obviously that was my first trip and i'm still doing it so something sunk in on me on that but
0: tell me about running on the illinois river seeing that for the first time
1: oh the illinois river was amazing um i remember we the boats that i rode on early were mainly primarily we'd run the illinois river exclusively and sometimes we wouldn't even make it below peoria and we would go up to lamont and turn um, so got to see a lot of that winter. I mean, winter times, no fun up there. Summertime's no fun up there. It's just that it's hard either cold or wet or, you know, or, or hot and, you know, not wet enough. So it was, uh, it was an experience. Um, I remember I, I, talking about that first trip I made that really one of the things that got me was checking tow in the morning and, uh, it, right at sunlight. And we were coming across Peoria Lake and I don't mean, it was just something about that sunrise, and I I can, it's vague in my head as to what specifics were that caught my eye, but I remember it was just amazing, it was amazing, and, and the solitude of what, you know, walking out, and a guy over there, 35 foot away from me, we were checking toe walking out there, and how quiet it was, and it was just amazing, it was just something, and I grew up on a farm, like I said, uh, Kim, so it really was the yeah, man, it, it was it was something about being outdoors and and being able to see the outdoors all the time. That's 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 something that's, that keeps me coming back. I think it's it's something that I missed when I hadn't been out there when I've taken time off or something. Um, you notice the sunrises and sunsets. I think that's the, me and my son were talking about that. The flatlands of Oklahoma is where you can see sunrises and sunsets just like you can on the water. But that Peoria sunrise was just amazing, I remember. And um yeah, I, I got hooked on it up there, man. It was it was hard work. Um we learned we we ran six man crews primarily up there. So you had three guys on watch at all times. So I really feel fortunate that I, I had that experience with experienced guys. I mean, those I had guys that back in that time you had guys that wasn't abnormal, haven't retire off deck. I mean, they were you had career long deck ends and mates and stuff. Um, and, and I valued that experience. Um, you know, I, I did that, um, had that under my belt, but yeah, my career early career was, was really short and quick because it wasn't, I can't remember. It hadn't have been much more than a year or so that I'd been doing that. And, um, I hurt myself, um, and had to, I had some time off. And uh, they called and checked on me. Uh, Luke Moore was the uh, port captain at the time, and he called to check on me quite a bit, you know, seeing if I was all right. And I don't remember what I was doing. I was helping with the books or something um, with with the business, local business, and I can't remember what specifics it was. But the conversation turned to, well, you can read and write. <laughs> and I said, yeah. And uh, at the time, I didn't realize that Johnny Wise was the crew dispatcher that had hired me was looking to transition back out to the boat so he could get his license. So long and short, me being off injured and um, combination of that and Johnny looking for somebody to replace him, that's, that's the, that was the next progression of my career. I went from a deckhand to the office as a crew dispatcher. That, then that period lasted. Uh, gee, Manny, how long did we do that? I did it, I think I told Dude I'd do it for one year. And I, had I realized what <laughs> craziness was going to, what that job was going to entail, uh, yeah, I would have ran. I'd have probably stayed on the boats for sure. But I think I made two years out of it. During that time, Tim, I started off uh, with eight boats working uh, for Dewey, for WKN. We were under the umbrella of National Marine. He, he operated the boats for National Marine. Um, in that time period, the two years that I was in the office doing that, we uh, were bought out, merged, whatever, with ACL, and began, we came under ACL umbrella. I think um I think it was before that. It, all in the time frame of that. And when that happened, Stokes, we got the Stokes boats, which he was with National Marine, and and whenever they National Marine merger took place, he got rid of those boats. So we ended up operating. We were operating sixteen boats, um, at, from eight to sixteen. And, um, this was all through pilot's degree and all the transitions of, yeah, this, that, and the other. Anyway, after I went through all that, I decided I was done. I told Dewey, I want to get back out to the boats and get my license. And because I didn't, at that time, I didn't have enough deck time in, um, fee time in to get my license. It, it required, I can't remember what the certain amount of days were, but I didn't have them. Um, and so I went back out, um. And when I went back out and at the time when I left, I was been running lead man. I'd moved up pretty quick through the ranks, um, not necessarily from experience, but from need at the time. And, um, but I excelled at it and picked it up pretty quick. So when I went back out on the boats, I was running mate and, uh, ran mate on the Roy Mecklin ran primarily the Ohio river at that point. Um, hadn't seen the lower much at all, maybe a little ways down South of Cairo, but I'd been in Illinois river and then some of the upper and like I said, the Ohio, um, when I was on the Roy Mecklin, that was where I, I, I was at for probably about, I guess almost the remainder of my deck time was, uh, on the Roy Mecklin run in Ohio, all the way up to Pittsburgh and down to Cairo. Usually we turn around Pittsburgh, I mean, uh, Paducah or, or Cairo. Um, after that little stint, it, but there was, a uh, a uh, job on the Carol P came open where uh, I was sent over there to go ride with Tommy weeks. And now Tommy and I didn't get along with each other when I worked in the office. So I was shocked and surprised that they were going to have me over a mate for him. Well, I don't think he asked for me or asked for anybody. It was just need be, he fired crew over there and they needed somebody and I happened to be off and ready. So that was where I went. Tommy and I ended up being uh, still his lifelong friend, man. I love that man. Love him uh but tommy weeks and roy barnes went over and rode with them on the carol p at that point um i was just i think i lacked a little bit getting my license more more so saving the money to go to school because i was going to go to the river school i mean uh, to davis marine and get my license um finished up my deck time over there went to davis marine got my license in memphis and came back uh I think I rode. No, it was it was the very trip that I got my license. There was a couple of guys ahead of me in the steersman program, one of my buddies and, and guy I decked with. So I knew I was a little bit low on the totem pole as far as I, I figured it was going to be a few months before I get steering time. Um, I, and then when I was going back, it actually ended up to where I ended up going to the steersman program right then. Luke Moore, the port captain, said, you're going to steersman, you got your license with you. I said, yeah. He said, we're going to start you steering this trip. And uh, a buddy of mine that was my lead man was going to be promoted to mate. So anyway, long and short of that, that lasted. Me and Tommy lasted about two weeks before he put me off. (laughs) He put me off the boat my first time. He had to ask for a steersman. I wasn't ready to be a steersman at that point. Um, I was still trying to run the deck from the wheelhouse, so that experiment lasted two weeks. Uh, my first, I got put up in my first boat and my first stint as a steerman lasted two weeks. <laughs> so anyway, I figured at that point that I was, uh, I, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I thought I'd go work in a fleet tug somewhere or Harbor Service. But Dewey told me, come on back to the office. Well, he's, he had a plan, but he, I didn't know at the time. Um, he said, come on back to the office. I've got another boat to put you on. And that's when I got on the Ron Shankin. And that's where I started doing my steering. That was the, uh, that would have been, uh, I got my license in 99. That was in 99 when I started doing my steering over there um, with Captain Mike earlier and Dennis Mize. And um, yeah, I, I started, that's that's where I got all my steering time. Well, I say all of it. I, I got a little bit of time here and there on a couple of other boats, but primarily it was on there with Dennis and, And Mike and I've always told folks, uh, Captain Mike was by the book. I had to do everything perfect. You know, just he wanted, you know, no deviating from exactly what he told me. And Dennis was a little bit more the other. He was uh, kind of figured out, you know, on my own type deal. So I've always told folks the two guys that couldn't have been more perfect because I had uh, Captain Mike showing me how to run the channel spans of bridges. And Cap Dennis was showing me how to run the alternate spans. So I learned, you know, I got that. It, it was a perfect mix. I, at the time, I didn't realize how perfect it was. But, um, yeah, I, I, I got that experience, my steering, and then um, got turned loose fairly quickly. Um, actually, probably too quickly. But I got turned loose, I think it was uh, within eight months. Um, I was running from... Uh, Basically, Cairo, St. Louis, Cairo down to Tiger—that was pretty much our primary run. And we had a lot of those boats in a liquid tow, so it, were, it was tows that were set up for a fifteen barge tow um, to run all the way up the Ohio. And so we'd have fifteen loaded barges northbound out of Tiger, and then mixed tows coming down. So I had experience with up to uh, twenty and twenty-five out of St. Louis with the with a fifty-six hundred, and I could do that on a regular basis. I felt comfortable running about anywhere. Um, just because I was young and dumb and, uh, you know, that's the way it went. But, um, yeah, that was, that was how it got started in the wheelhouse. That would have been in 99.
0: What's the uh, prettiest place you've ever run?
1: <laughs> the prettiest place. I've heard folks talk about that. That that's, it still hasn't changed for me. Um, it's, uh, downbound Cincinnati in the morning, southbound right at the, at the, if you've got that morning watching, catching sunrise where the sun's at your back and you're seeing the bridges, everything lit up. It, it's I, that still has to be, and I, and that's, I mean, I love all the city views, all the city fronts and, and, and the countryside and this and that and other, but still that's, is it, it's just, it's awesome. It's really awesome. It could be coming through the bridges. You've got the ballpark, uh, you know, and, and, uh, football stadium and all that on this side when you're as you make that turn but when you've got the sun to your back and you're seeing this you know the lights of the city or you know everything lit up still the lights of the city are still on but the sun coming up that's about the most amazing view i think i've ever seen second to that would be uh i think it's lock 11 pool no no lock 12 pool it's a yeah lock 12 pool on the upper mississippi river because you got sandy beaches and there's also ski slopes where they've got the, the ski lifts on that side. So wintertime, I always thought that was neat where you had a, a ski resort. Obviously not at the same time. I've seen it in the summertime when it was just a, you know, grassy hill. But that's just beautiful. That whole that whole stretch there below Dubuque is just, that whole area up there is beautiful. But I think that that Block 12 pool or Cincinnati, those two are my two favorites, I bet.
0: All right. So let's backtrack. You're cut loose. You're running your own boat. You're in a 5600 running up and down to. A, no, that was the, that well. was the
1: deal. They got me turned loose running that lower Mississippi river. And now I'm going to call myself a lower Mississippi river pilot and all this, that and other Luke Moore calls and said, they're going to turn me loose. They get me, I get turned loose. And uh, they send me up to the upper end of the Ohio, which, oh my gosh. I mean, that was something else. I, I thought, you know, run, I was used to running in current and it was just dead. It was dead water up there. I mean, dead, dead water. There was, it's a locking river. So at that time, and I can't remember the exact time of year, but it was, there was no current. And that was a challenge in itself because I had dealt with that. And we did our own tow work up at Natrium and all that stuff. And yeah, I didn't, I flipped and flopped out in the middle of the river one night, I think until the captain finally came up and hollered at me and, yeah, told me <laughs> what I needed to do, but that would have been Captain George Packish, and um, that was the first captain that I, I actually stood my own watch with him, and uh, he was standing, he was the captain, I was the pilot, first first time turned loose after I, uh, after my steersman program um, was Captain George Packish, uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, Polish background, and he grew up in uh, all in that upper Ohio River area, worked all different jobs on Ohio up there. But his first job decking was on, and I, I wish I could remember the name of it, I had it top of my head. Um, it's old steamboat that's on display at the Marietta River Museum they have. That was the first boat he decked on. So that's how far he went back. I always got a kick out of that, that, that my connection to that era, going that far back. But Captain George was towards the end of his career, and as good as gold. Um, he he wasn't a he wasn't well read, but he was a very smart man. Um, he was a very smart man. Um, I learned a lot from George. I learned a lot that uh, unexpected things. I mean, he just he taught me a lot. He taught me how to you know he was really patient with me being a young pilot. He he was towards the end of his career, but there was a lot of things that he would tell me that you know, about if I get worried about this, that, or the other, he knew the areas of the river that, that were going to catch me. And he could give me just a little quick, you know, without, without, that, you know, too long, he could give me advice on what I needed to do. And I just, I valued that so much, man. The things I learned from Captain George, but also just uh, his stories and, and this, that, and the other. But Captain, Captain George was my first, he was George Package. That was the first captain I rode with. Stayed over there on that Ohio after I done, dealt with and learned it, um, having not steered it at all and barely decked on that upper end. Um, I'd been up there a few times, but um, got that Ohio down, felt comfortable running on it. And then there was an opportunity where a lower boat came open. And so uh, I transferred over to it and started riding. Um, I think it was with, with uh, Roy Barnes. I think, yeah, or Captain Roy. Anyway, that's where I got back on the 5,600s where we kind of, those boats would run everywhere and anywhere. So i got, that's kind of what I wanted to do. Uh, my goal was really, my end goal was to be able to run anywhere on any size. And, um, I'd always seen the, the, when I worked in the office, um, some of these hotshot trip pilots that we hired. And at the time, you know, the trip pilots that we had were usually, uh, either retired or or semi-retired guys, that were, you know, could go anywhere. It didn't matter what boat we had or where or anything like that. And I do remember they made a little extra money. I remember that part too. Um, but I always thought it was neat. You know, you call on these guys. We had different guys that just ran specific rivers. They didn't feel comfortable running it. I worked in the office enough where I heard some, you know, heard guys throw a fit if their boat was going to turn south of Cairo or north of Cairo you know, if they were lower guys or, or upper or Ohio. And I just always wanted to be a guy that that wasn't a worry. These trip guys, man, they could go anywhere. So getting back on the 5,600, uh, getting off just primarily the Ohio river. Um, yeah. It got me back to moving around, going down South. We were running down to the Gulf then. Um, so I got to see, you know, that stretch, get it all back fresh in my mind. I think I went ahead and yeah nobody i didn't I didn't have anybody post me back up. i've been I was familiar with that lower enough where I was good to go. so I ran it and opportunity came up with the upper um, there was opportunity to go around it and man, back in the day, I mean I hear guys now well they'll get they'll get not just now it's just different times they've had well, they'll get a posting pilot they'll pay somebody to post a guy a well experienced running pilot to run up somewhere. our posting pilot was Tom Barrington, I think it was his last name. No, Tom Flowers. Sorry about that. Tom Flowers, Captain Tom was the Illinois River pilot. Me and the captain that were going to run the upper had never been up there, and so he got on to post us. And Tom didn't do anything but threw his chart at us. <laughs> he had his old chart. He hadn't been up there in years, and so he told us to, uh, you know, if we had if we had any problems, he'd be in the officers' lounges where the TV was at the time. So that was basically a trial by fire. We had a very experienced mate and crew on there. Dewey had uh, the most experienced mate that we had over there at the time for running that upper. And those guys, that was, I, I think I heard, uh, one of your other podcasts, I think it may have been Beavers. One of them was talking about that one of your caps about running different areas and having a, but <clears throat> having an experienced mate that just talked him into the lock and, and told him what to do that's that's yeah i had had mates and crew that could do that they had enough experience where he told me exactly what i'd be looking at and that man called me from that corner of that barge telling me "All right, need to give you know little he was telling me which way to he was not only giving me distances he was telling if i need to slow down come ahead steer on over here i mean he literally talked me into those uh into those locks and this was before they were running a lot of tugs up there, so that was something. And checking the head in and all that, um, it's much safer the way they do it now with the tugs. That's something one of the biggest improvements they made. That's so dangerous, but anyway, that's how I learned that upper was with uh, a captain's chart that had it all marked up good. And uh, there's I have a old light list. I still have those uh, those papers that, that show me how to get up and down that river. Um, I mean, just more, I don't keep them to look at. I just have, I still have them. And, and those old mates, man, those old mate, experienced mates, that's, that's what became, I become experienced up there. But yeah, that was, that's how I got my background in running everywhere, pretty much. I transferred over there, did that, decided I really wanted to get on the bigger boats and anything bigger than what we had was at Marquette. So um, I think it was 02, 03-ish, somewhere out in there, I decided to go to work at Marquette and uh, spread my wings at the time is what I thought I wanted to get on their bigger boats. And um, they did, I got over there quick and, and um, Cap Merrick Canfield was over there and we'd both had the same, uh, we'd both steered under the same guy, kind of had the same background as far as our progression to the wheelhouse. And so that along with um, Quint Harris vouching for me, making a call and vouching for me uh i went to work at marquette and they posted me up on the bigger boats over there and i, I rode over there with quite a few different people quite a do, few different boats but um captain bill uh bill Wenders and captain henry hornsby who uh, they did my check ride with me and i think i rode a little bit with uh captain bill and bounced around a little bit over there for a few years before i decided to. Uh, I was done with the river. Once I got to the big boats and done that, I'd done it. Oilfield was paying pretty good about that time. And so um, yeah, I, I took about five years off and went work to Oilfield. Tell
0: me about that experience. <laughs>
1: it was a little bit me working to Oilfield was there was that's uh, simplifying a little bit too much. At the time my wife was sick, she'd had a leukemia and MS. So being close to home and, and working uh, working oil field was something that it just at the time that that was my fit. And so I did that. Plus my kid, my son was, uh, getting high school age. So I want to be there for him and stuff. So, uh, worked oil field. It was crazy fast wildlife. Um, I worked a sales job. So I had a pickup and drove around Texas Panhandle in Western Oklahoma and did that for a few years until, Like any, like most times, the oil field slows and dries up and it's, you know, it's not there. That's when I did realize right then that the the consistency of the river, I mean, it's got definitely, we have ebbs and flows, but the consistency that that job's going to always be there was something I really did value Um, um, after working oil field and doing that. um, Also, I started hearing what trip rates were paying. I had buddies working out there and they were saying what trip rates were paying so i figured it was time for me to get back out there and uh yeah that's what i did it was strange though i'd let my license lapse so i'd actually uh i found out the hard way i was an example uh i remember they made fun of me when i was going through the whole process everybody yeah he's testing the second time um they didn't they changed the licensing up to him i'd had a second class operator and i was so stubborn i never upgraded to first class because it was going to cost me some i remember cecil was my port captain and kept telling me i need to get that done and i never i wouldn't wear a second class i had a second class operator license and ran front watch on a 35 barge tow on lower mississippi river with a second class operator and uh i had a hundred ton masters uh because it was i remember jimbo told me to get that license uh, it was the next, It was just the second deck general to take. And if I ever wanted to run a harbor tug or anything like that, I'd have it. But I had a second-class operator license and rode the biggest boats I, that there were at the time on the Lower Mississippi River and ran front watch. So I don't know. I, I just I, I didn't think I needed the piece of paper if I could actually do the work and get hired for it. Anyway, long and short, after being off five years, they did the licensing. That's when they did everything from – they got away with the operator's license and and now they have the steersman's pilots, a master's license. Um, when I was filling out all the application everything, the coast guard, they didn't really know what they were going to do with me. They okayed me to test, but they didn't know what type of license I was told. I would probably have to start out as a steersman's license and progress through. Um, so I went ahead and after I passed, you know, it was fairly quick uh, process of me taking, getting my test and it, passing it. But when they saw my service letters um, and what I'd done at the time, then they, they went ahead and issued my master's license to me, thankfully. I didn't have to go through the steps. But then after having my license, I figured I'd just get hired like that and because I had connections in the industry. But everybody, was, you know, they were a little leery of me after being off for five years. Um, so I got hold, of, I, and I kind of wanted a trip. I was just wanting to do trip work at that time. Um, and I got hold of a guy named James Scott, somebody gave me his number, and it was this crazy story. The first time I ever took thirty five barges south on my own, uh, I, it was on the Randy X sign and I got off at New Orleans. Uh, after I got down there south, I got off the boat, in New Orleans, and I was waiting to catch a flight out of New Orleans and the combination testosterone, uh, adrenaline, I, I don't know. Uh, guys that have done it, they understand you're just really pumped up. Really all about a lot of ego, all that good stuff that makes a good heavy-toe pilot to get it down. The confidence and stuff that gets it down. We'll get off a boat and put that anywhere else, and it just doesn't mix. You know, it's not a good mix. Well, I was at an airport bar and telling all about probably everybody in there what a river god i was i'm sure i'm sure i was pretty well pumped up <laughs> and throw alcohol on top of all the other stuff i said and anyway long and short there was a guy that was there that was he was a young marquette pilot canal pilot just got hired at my hard on the gulf division with marquette i was one of those you know had just brought this big toe down and long and short me and him had this conversation that i barely remember over five then five plus years later, when I'm looking for a job, he started this trip work stuff where he was trying to get pilots, recruit pilots that he could, you know, he had connections office and pilots and he was going to be the go-between and be a, uh, yeah, he he was going to be a, a trip agent. That's what he was going to be. So somebody gave me his number and I called him and he kind of was giving me the blow off like everybody else. We hadn't drove a boat in five years type thing. And I said, yeah, and he said, well, what's your name and number? And I told him my name. When he heard the name Kyle Finning, he said "The Kyle Finning. I knew I was in when he said the Kyle Finning. But it was James Scott, this young Marquette pilot that I talked all this noise to five years prior. And uh, he was impressed with me enough where he had me on a boat within uh, two or three days. Um, But with all that, and I remember him telling me, now, if the owner asked you you you've been on, you've been on the boats and you've done all the all the BS that he told Dean uh, at Steel City, that's whose boat I went and got on, got on the Mary Lynn. Had never run the Arkansas River, had never seen it other than when I was a little kid and I'd seen it water skinned, never seen it. And my first trip after five years off the boats was two trips up and down the Arkansas River. And uh, yeah, we were hauling uh, fertilizer to Friars Point, but we made two round trips up at, up and down that river. Uh, the numbers on it—it it doesn't sound right—but we made seventy-four locks and or set, yeah, seventy-two locks in thirty-four days. And if you add up all the eighteen locks, up, eighteen locks up and down, uh, four times, and then we double-tripped on the upper end, so it was something seventy-some odd locks in thirty-four days. Long and short. I got my boat handling back on point real quick Tim, with all that, making those locks and stuff and all that close handling. And then some of the lower, so everything was, you know, back at me real quick. I ended up, uh, tripping pretty regular for steel city for quite a few years after that. Um, but yeah, that was, that was me. Getting, that's how I got back into it and had to look back since, man, I still running boats.
0: What happened next for you in your, uh, in your career?
1: The the well I did the I did the tripping. I did the tripping for a while uh, and then finally I'd been tripping. Uh I wanted I'd got into the smaller boats and I'd got into doing uh they had me posting up a lot of the Satoon boats. Um when they first started uh when they started building all those Satoon boats started coming out and they had a bunch of these asses going all the way up the West Virginia that had never been north of Baton Rouge. So I got to posting a lot of those guys. And it really most of it was just babysitting them new equipment i think i was just insurance uh for for some of them because uh, you know it really wasn't much to do most of those guys were excellent wheelmen. they just hadn't seen the area didn't wasn't familiar with it and you know they were crew nice so they're you know I, they wasn't scared of it <laughs> they it didn't freak them out they most of the time if i just had to stay hid from because they was upset that i was on there to begin with you know they didn't need no you know they didn't need me on there so I, yeah it was a lot of dead time but after doing that for a while and then really i'd kind of uh done a lot of tripping on the on the unit toes and stuff i was ready to get back on the the dry cargo the bigger toes i mean to be honest him has better money and it was it was just really what i that was my roots and i wanted to get back to that so um somebody gave me charles straight's number and and um uh, actually I, it was uh, yeah Yeah, I called Charles. It was, I think it was Charles or Ronnie. Anyway, um, Ronnie Griffins his port captain. And that's who I got hold of. And I tripped for them. I told Ronnie, I wouldn't take a regular job for him. I wouldn't take a regular job. He said, that's fine. Well, whatever you want to do, man. So uh, after I think I worked for him for like four years, steady, didn't work for anybody else. I just tripped, but only for them. Finally, I just got tired of paying my own insurance and swapped over. Um and folks that don't know the, the trip wages and when I said when I was in the office and I saw these guys making more money. Uh as trip you just don't get paid, you know, without the benefits. And so it's a, basically you get paid for what you would have gotten benefits. And it's mainly a wash either way. I mean it didn't didn't make much difference one way or the other. It was just less paperwork for insurance to go full time. And that's who I've been with for um I don't know, I've been with them for a few years now, six or eight years maybe.
0: Are there any waterways you've not been on?
1: (laughs) I don't go. I'm not an east-west pilot. I'm not an east-west. I don't do the canals. I don't do none of that. Um, Yeah, man, I've run. In the Tennessee, I've just run it above the Kentucky Lock, Um, but I've run to, uh, well, that's the thing. That was my first, when I first got turned loose, I hadn't been turned loose six months, but I was bringing 25 out of St. Louis to to. The Gulf I thought that was you know pretty impressive and I'd pretty much seen it all and I remember telling six months turn loose <clears throat> And I remember telling Dave do that uh that I needed topped out because I was posted up on all rivers. I'd run to Pittsburgh, I'd run to you know run to St. Paul, run to Chicago, I'd run everywhere and I remember still remember what he told me he said you're not well po- you're not posted. You just seen a lot of shit once. <laughs> that's what he said. But no, man, I don't. I mean, I feel I feel well posted on the upper to St. Paul, uh, I, the Ohio. It's I'm rusty. It's been a while, but I can make trips all the way up there. And uh, like I said, the upper above Kentucky, Kentucky. I mean, the Tennessee River. Really, that's probably one that's just not on my list that I really would like to run. But at this point, it's not. I'm not gonna put it on bucket list. I mean, if I don't ever run it it's okay but if the opportunity arises and the price is right i
0: wouldn't <laughs> you know how that is what's the biggest toe you've been behind
1: the biggest toe was uh 63 we had 63 empties uh on the on the ray A. I was on the ray ax sign over there actually that was when i was doing my check ride um over there on the ray a and it was a combined toe with the randy the randy was down on one engine and we each had a little, had, one of us had a little over 30, and it was a combined tow, so it was two boats pushing, but still nonetheless impressive, um, and then, uh, southbound probably 35 or 40, I think I've taken 40 a couple of times, um, yeah, and then, uh, my most impressive though was, to be honest, it was my first trip, because I get to see, I know they do it, but, It's not something that I've seen since or before just because I hadn't seen it. But we were bringing 25 out of uh, Evansville, 25 barges. And we had an overage tug come get them off uh, above John T. Myers and above Smithland. But I never seen it. I mean, I'm serious. That was like, that was my first trip turned loose. And that was still, I tell folks, I brought 25 from Evansville on Ohio. So that's my, you know, that's my claim to fame. <laughs> that's it.
0: Well, I've been at the sticks behind, you know, one or two. I did eight one time, just, just training with, with pilots while I was up at a, in fleet dispatch. So, I mean, I vaguely know what that's like. Tell me about being behind 63.
1: See, at 63. I mean, I won't just go there. I'll, I'll go just a 30, 35 barge. toe. you know, I've looked across 25, but it takes there's something that does flip. I mean, there is something because especially when I've been off a little bit and you look out across it, I don't think, I mean, you know, it's not really, it's it, it to exude confidence and all that. And to, to, you know, we are, we are borderline arrogant anyway, most uh, river pilots and particularly lower pilots. Um, but it's huge. It's massive. And and for me, I I really do like that I get that it still does give me, especially like I said, if I've been off a few days and step up to the wheelhouse and you look out across thirty five barges, if it doesn't make your you know I don't know it, it still gets me a little bit, but that's the thing. I mean, I've talked to people about it. It's uh, it's you learn it's almost learn how to suppress that fear and just do the job, and you learn how to do that enough to where it just becomes the confidence. And when I say scared, it's a different, like I'm, you know, it, it's not like, Oh, you know, it's not one of those, but it is definitely, it's something that you step across it and it's to feel that responsibility on your shoulders is something. Um, I, I mean, it just is, but it's impressed. I mean, I'm impressed when I see guys go by, I videotape a lot of stuff and I see guys go by, that's what, um, yeah, I, I'm impressed with it. I mean, I've said it before I tell folks I'm 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 a very big fan of my peers and what they do. Um, Big boat. Now now you want to go big boat. Impressive. You can go big boat. But I've been put on a boat, a little tug up in the Port of Catoosa and had everybody looking at me. And these uh, coonasses were on there with me and they all knew how to handle this boat better. But I had to face up and unface. is all I had to do. And I still remember them telling me, let's see what this big boy, you know, giving me a hard time cause I bragged about what size toes I'd brought down. you know let's let's see what you can do at one boat, you know what I'm saying there's just there's levels of that stuff. it's it's all what your opportunities, where you've where you've been and who's taught you. I mean, that's that's what that that's a big thing on a river stuff.
0: Well, switching gears, of course, tell me about your family,
1: Uh, my family, um son, uh is he works oil field he's an oil field guy he, he runs a shop um and does that he 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 had he's uh my son's 30 my daughter's what 23 30, yeah man i'll mess those ages up but close enough my daughter she got her bsn in nursing and uh so she's uh she does full-time nursing she works in a um cancer research facility and like i say my son works oil field um and it just blessed me with a granddaughter back in January 6th. So we got a little granddaughter and, uh, my grandson is, uh, what Sam's three now. Yeah. Three-year-old grandson. So those are my kids. And, uh, my daughter has a fiance. She'll be married. I think in Nove- November, she'll be getting married. So both of them grown and married and doing great, man. My wife, um, my wife of about three years now is a, uh, she's a, a uh, special ed teacher she's director of special ed for the junior high junior high in moore oklahoma that's what she does so i found a woman that that's her job is to have patience dealing with special ed kids all day so you know she comes home and deals with me and it's just you know it, it's a walk. It, you know makes her job easy after dealing with me all evening evening all weekend but uh she's a very patient woman and that's what tow boaters need very patient women in our lives
0: I can only imagine. Yeah. So looking over your shoulder there, I see plenty of books. Tell me, do you have a favorite genre, favorite author, favorite title? Man,
1: Mark Twain, Mark Twain, Mark Twain. That's where I got it. That's a, uh, and that's the other thing. My channel, uh, you know, my YouTube channel is Mark Twain and I, it's, it is confusing because I've, I've had people even here call me, you know, Mark, that's my name, man, how I got Mark Twain was when I was a steersman with, uh, with WKN, I was a steersman coming down the river, and I had read it before, but I had forgot. It was Life on the Mississippi River by Mark Twain, and I got to read. I think it, there's a, about three chapters in there early in the book where it's uh Twain was describing his trip down down the river when he was a steersman. You know, with Horace Bixby, was Captain Bixby, and. Um, he's it's description and i was reading those chapters as i was coming down the, the river i kept my reading in line with the watches as we were seeing those areas of the river and that was really you know i, I think i think it was actually a, a a email address i was needing to come up for a name for email or, you know i was had getting a new email and i thought well i've been i just got through reading twain we'd come down south so i figured it was mark twain was what i'd feeling. So I put that, that's kind of, that kind of stuck with me and used it as a a handle for uh, my channel.
0: Speaking of your channel, tell me how that thing developed. I know it started out. You said, I think your kids playing sports and then.
1: Yeah, that was, I started my YouTube channel, Tim doing a, um, it was just family. It was so I could, you know, family. It was, uh, I had my channel in 07, I think was when I first started and YouTube hadn't been out, but you do as a platform in itself. But I could upload videos to it, and then my family could see them. I wasn't really looking for stuff to put out to the world. It was just, you know, so family that lived in other, you know, everybody could see uh, that. And it started from that. And then when I started working on the river, I started putting those videos as the suggestion from a friend of mine, actually. But it was the technology was just, it, it, was, it was hard to do. It took forever. You had to have really good connections, usually wired connections at the time to do that. And so I started doing that. And up until the time that I think I'd started getting better equipment, I don't even remember what equipment I recorded with, but my most viewed video was saving Miss Francis there in St. Louis Harbor. Excuse me. And um, but I had a video of that. I'd been actually what had happened was uh Donnie Lebove was the captain on there, and we were at the dock right across from Anchor Fleet and I remember waking up on the floor because we bumped something and we weren't supposed to be moving. And uh, long and short, I go up to the wheelhouse and Donnie was up there saving the Miss Francis, pulling it off. Of, they downstream it on an anchor fleet. And I remember I had just gotten up and asking Donnie was one of those guys that just really worked good alone. But where I was, I had to run. I ran back down to get something, either my glasses or so. Anyway. I went to the, went in the bathroom, which overlooked the same view, you know, across the head deck. And Donnie was within earshot, me and him, you know, I could hear him. He could hear me. And I just started recording, recording what was going on on my phone. And, uh, after everything was okay and and we were all good, they had the Coast Guard. We had like five or six Coast Guard in the wheelhouse investigators after their investigation, you know, everything, what happened and all this. And, um, it was basically we had to downstream, we downstreamed and pulled a, a tug that was hung up on an anchor chain on an anchor fleet there in St. Louis Harbor in extreme high water. The water was really swift. And the anchor chains, what kept him from flipping all the way under and killing them folks. But he got hung up on that anchor chain. All the guys got off the tug. And at that point, we were just trying to get a line on the tug to pull it off. And uh, that's what we ended up doing. But I caught it all, I caught it all on video. And uh, I, with no intentions of posting anything like that at all, I just had, it was something that was crazy. And at the time I videotaped it. And when we had Coast Guard and all them on doing the investigation, there was also the owner Osage the, and one of our company representatives, I think it may have been Ted Waxler, who I was tripping for at the time, Waxler. Um, they were all in the wheelhouse. And I, Donnie said, hey, show them that video. And so I'm showing one or two of the Coast Guard guys this video. They all wanted it, you know, they wanted it for whatever they were going to use it for. And the owners, nobody was going to get in trouble. It was all, you know, they just wanted to see the video. And I had like five people wanting the video in the wheelhouse. And at the time it was, you know, this would have been probably 2010, 2011. It uploads, I mean, it would have been real, It took forever to upload that. And uh, I mean, to each to each individual person. So I just told them I'll I put it on my YouTube channel. If that's cool, then y'all have access to it. And once I had the okay from everybody involved, you know, uh, permission basically from owners and, and Coast Guard where it wasn't going to be an issue for me to have it up, I put it up. And then it just took off from there. I mean, I put that up, but then I started shooting you know, uh, pictures of sunsets and sunrises the pretty views we have Tim. I mean, that was really what it started from. Um, and I, and this was before YouTube was any ad uh, revenue or anything like that. It was just to have them up. Um, then I started having, uh, had a mate take a picture of me making it down through Vicksburg bridge with me and we had a wheelhouse full and me and the pilot were just talking about the bridge and going through. And, Just with encouragement and stuff like that, I'd get young guys, young pilots telling me that they they like that. So I would try to catch as much of that stuff as I could, you know, catching coming through Fort Madison Bridge, coming through Memphis Bridges and stuff like that, trying to, you know, different areas. I tried to catch them and then it became asking, you know, people that didn't work on the river started seeing my videos and stuff. So, yeah, it was a it was just kind of a natural progression early on, though, there was kickback for sure for posting anything on there because when i came from an era where a lot of that bar books and and your information was very protected it wasn't shared like it is now um it was it was that was your guarantee that you could work for somebody you had that knowledge that nobody else had and i understand the reasoning behind it and the reason it was kind of secretive back then but the openness and 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 the sharing information is just much better It, it it keeps everybody safer. I mean, it's, it's better to pass on information. Plus I always looked at it as that wasn't, you know, I didn't discover that came from somebody else. Anyway, that knowledge was passed on from somebody to them. So <clears throat> anyway, that my, with my YouTube channel, that's, it's a little of that. And it's a little just trying to, I mean, I, I like, uh, I like what I do, man. And the main reason I do it is because of the, you know, some of the views, some of the things we see, I mean, I get to see areas of the country that nobody has any idea about. And uh, I'm impressed with boats too. So big boats and pretty scenery, Tim, you know, that's what, it, that's what it's all about.
0: All right. Well, Kat, what do you think about this, uh, this maritime throwdown program?
1: I'm very impressed with it. It's that's, that's something that uh, when they first started it out, it was, I didn't think it would really catch on. I mean, I was like, man, how are they going to the logistics of it? Because it is, you have, uh, I, I, I still don't, it's something that's great. It, it instills, uh, you know, guys want to learn that stuff. There's a value, you know, it's just not, you know, guys are shooting for it and it is good. It's something that, that they've set up that it's a skills test and man, that's something that You know, I know I've said myself and you hear a lot of the wheelmen say that that's kind of lacking the skills and passing down of that knowledge. Well, this is something that, you know, it gives it value, you know, other than just a, you know, that's your job. It's something to shoot for. And also, you know, getting better at it. I've seen guys, one thing about it, I had not seen guys doing uh, for a long time that I remember we used to do it and we used to do it for cash was throwing lines for cash stand out on the deck and we do that, you know, to, to sharpen your, your skills. They got away from that a little bit for, you know, I I don't know why the training and practice, it seemed like you didn't see as many guys doing it, but since that maritime throwdowns come back, come into existence, man, it's just, you see guys working on skills. I mean, working on, on the skills and it's just, uh, it's something else that, you know, it brings light to our industry and gives up people that may not have an idea what it is. You know, they, they do a lot of the advertising and stuff they do. It brings attention to, to what we do on the river. And I'm all about it, man. I'm all about it.
0: And finally, what do you think about my little project?
1: I think, Tim, what you're doing, man, um, and just me, I, I just for the time that me and you've got to know each other, um, watching some of your, watching the guys that you get, number one, the quality the guys that you've gotten up until me, it started different right there. <laughs> but some of your quality of guys, uh, um, you've got some great men that's very interesting to listen to. The stories to be told, a lot of people don't get to hear uh, a lot about this industry. It, it really, it's almost secretive at times, it seems like. But, you know, anything that shines a light on it. Like I said, man, it, I, I'm a fan. I mean, I started watching a couple of your captain. Uh, interviews and and hearing their different stories. Hearing the similarities is what got me. We come from these totally different backgrounds or went to work for a totally different company. but to hear the similarities. the one that really I mean, it got me the other day was listening to one to to um, the, the captain that was talking about the camaraderie of the of the um, of the crew, you know, the crew, and how these river people come together. And I've seen it, man. I've seen office. I mean, office people i've seen river folk all of them the connection to the river there's something there there's a camaraderie to it and, and it's special it is special and you're capturing that man you're getting you're getting that vibe I, I love that you're capturing this from guys and uh man i've told you what you're doing dude it, it's it's gonna catch on it's 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 already catching on um i enjoy seeing it i enjoy seeing and hearing other people's stories um yeah it's just neat tim it's neat and, and you do good you're a good talker you're a good listener and uh yeah man this it's gonna it's, this is this is really neat It's a really neat project
0: i appreciate that do you have any final message for the industry any from new decades all the way up oh
1: man uh i mean i think it was one of your other guys too the, that was saying you know um the opportunities that this industry offers man it's just uh I don't think people realize um, number one is what it takes to keep this industry running. You know, the infrastructure, the improvements that need to be made uh, the upper Mississippi river, those locks all need to be replaced up there. Um, But you know, you're shining a light on it so that it's, I think some of that stuff is going to be realized people paying attention to the river and what we do. I mean uh, you know, this low water that we had and how, it slowed things down and how that became a national priority. I mean, that's what, what it is. It's always been a national priority of I me. Mean, I think I think it, what you're doing is going to shine a light on that, Tim, and, and I think it's cool. Well,
0: I do hope so, and I appreciate the vote of confidence, man. Looks like we finally did it. Finally got this on video. Dude, I'm so, going to call and
1: cuss you. I'm going to call and cuss you if this don't go through. <laughs>
0: I'll keep you posted on progress. <laughs> Thanks, Tim.